And this is what sticks out to me. And we're going to finish up with, it ties in, trust me. It ties in. We're going to finish up with what we finished, stopped last week. It works great. I just, uh, it's been amazing how God's been laying all this together as we've been going through. I'm, I'm looking forward to next Sunday. Uh, I just, I've been excited. I've learned something. I don't know about y'all, but I have been ministered to by the word of God. And I hope you have too. I hope I've not gotten in his way of putting across what he wants to give us. It's been wonderful for me. But Jesus comes in and he, he you remember he comes into the city and they tell him, you know, tell him to shut up. And he says, well, if they do, the rocks are going to cry out. And he comes on into the city and then he starts weeping over Jerusalem. You know, after this, he goes on up into the temple and he starts turning over the tables of the money changers because they, they lost their, they lost their way. And here's why I believe that. In Luke chapter 19, verse 41. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when you're in. And now this is truth. This has already happened. Re- pay attention. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close in on every side. That happened to Jerusalem. And level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave you one stone upon another. Now this is the key right here. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. This is why this happened. This is why Jesus is weeping. It's because you did not know the time of your visitation. He said, I put it in the word. It's the prophets have been talking. All this stuff is wrote down. You should have known this very day when I came into this city who I was. And folks, had it happened, we wouldn't be here today dealing with what we're dealing with now. They would have received the Messiah and he would have been set on his throne. But they did not know. They rejected him. We know what happened. He had to go to the cross. We know what had to happen. But they should have known. And he held them responsible. I need you to hear that. He held them responsible. You should have known. What we've been covering over these last weeks of our eternal rewards of the overcomers from last week. We're going to recap those real quick. But what we've been covering is the Lord gave us that. In my Bible it's wrote in red most of those words. That means Jesus said it. And therefore it's important. By the way the black words are too. Every word that's in your Bible is important. It it came from God. But the ones in red, oh, that's what Jesus said. Well, we need to get that down. And so last week we talked about the church of Ephesus. These things that we're learning, someday the Lord may say, you should have known. We may say, well, I didn't know. He said, well, you should have known. It's in the Word. By the way, if you've been sitting here listening to the preaching, you've been hearing it. You should have known. That's what he's telling us. 
That's what he said on Palm Sunday. You should have known. Ephesus was told to repent continually. That sanctification is ongoing until we die. We're always being made better. We're always being made more sanctified, more like Jesus. Right? So that's what he's talking to Ephesus. He's telling them that they must repent. And when we're being sanctified daily, this takes care of self-righteousness. Self-righteousness goes out the door when a good dose of sanctification is happening. Because Jesus receives the glory, not self. Not I know everything, not I do everything. No, we start giving him some glory. Sanctification is happening. But he told them, don't leave your first works, which was what? Evangelism. Sharing that word. New Christians will tell everybody, they'll tell the devil himself about Jesus and he can save. Get about three or four years down the road, we start getting hurt, we start having all these things going on. Church becomes the ritual and we ain't telling people about Jesus no more. That's what he's talking to this church about. Okay. But the reward to the overcomer was that they would eat from the tree of life. And then we talked about the church of Smyrna. And they went through suffering and tribulation. Both of these are in Revelation 2 and 3. Revelation 2 right now for these. But all of these were covered in Revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3. Smyrna was suffering in tribulation and he told them to endure until death. Hang in there and don't give up. That's what we do. We hang in there and we don't give up. We endure till death. And he says the reward to the overcomer, they will not be hurt by the second death. You'll never hurt again. Every pain that you've ever gone through in this life, you're never going to feel it again if you just hang in there. Hang in there. And you'll not be hurt by the second death. And then we went to Pergamos. Now, Pergamos is a tough one. That one is alive and well today. You can find aspects of all of these in churches today throughout the world. But they had the doctrine of Balaam and the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Which thing Jesus said, I hate. The doctrine of Balaam was, or am I for sale? Y'all remember that? What, what am I going to sell out for? What will I sell out of Jesus for? What is my price? That's the doctrine of Balaam. Can you be bought? The doctrine of the Nicolaitans, remember Nicaea was, was uh, uh, to control and Laos was laity to control the laity. That was the one where you control the laity. Pastors were never given, or actually no Christian was never given the authority from heaven to control you. Never. If you don't believe me, look up the word because you're not going to find it. You're going to have to do a word study because it's not a word. The only place you can find it is by breaking it down. You find it in the Bible a couple times right here. And he says that's the one thing he hates. It's not my job to control you. It's my job to lead you. Thus says the Lord, this is where we need to go. You say, oh, we ain't going. Then big deal, I can't make you go. It's never my place to control. It's my place to lead. Remember, goats have to be driven. Sheep are led. Let that one sink in a little bit. 
The reward to the overcomer. If you don't fall prey to these two doctrines, Balaam, are you for sale? What's your price? Whether you're going to follow Jesus or not. Whether you're going to stand up and raise your hands or not. What is your price? Or the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Now, it doesn't just have to be the pastors. It can be anybody that uses manipulation to push people and control people. That's the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Jesus hates it. And if you overcome, if maybe that's a problem that you're dealing with, I don't know. But to the overcomer, he will give to eat. He'll give them the hidden manna to eat. He will give them a white stone, which is like an access card with a new name on it, which nobody knows. Remember that? Pete. This is Pete. This is my daughter. This is our pet name. You're going to have a pet name by Jesus. So when he walks in the room, he might look over and whisper and say, what's up, Pete? And nobody else knows that name. It's an intimate thing. And that is where he's talking about with this. So now we get to Revelation 2 and 18, the church of Thyatira. Got to talk fast. And to the angel of the church of Thyatira write, These things say the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire. Let's stop right there. You ever know somebody could just stare a hole through you? That's what it's talking about. When Jesus looks at you, it's like x-ray vision. He knows every thought. He can see everything. He's got eyes like a flame of fire. Ain't no getting away. Can't hide behind the building or behind the tree. No, Jesus can see. He knows. And he has feet like brass, a fine brass. He said, I know your works. He told every one of these churches, I know your works. Let's stop here. He's talking to believers. He's talking to the church. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers. And they got some overcoming to do. Every one of these had this. So he's talking. We need to understand that first. I know your works, love, service, faith, and repentance. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. They've been doing some works. Been doing some works. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel. Ooh, anybody remember Jezebel in the Old Testament in First and Second Kings? She's a doozy now, but this is her spirit. You allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. If you've got the KJV, you're seeing the word fornication where it says sexual immorality. And I gave her time to repent. He gave her time to repent. There's that repenting thing happening again in the church. Got to keep on doing it. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her in a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation. You want to make it to the great tribulation and tell, find out whether or not Daniel was right? Do this one and don't repent. He tells you this is where you're going to go. You're going to see this in the great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. Repentance. Repentance is not saying, Jesus, forgive me. Repentance is changing the attitude. It's changing the walk. Repentance is I was heading down this road, now I'm going the other way. I ain't doing this no more. That's repentance. And he said, unless they repent of their deeds, I will kill her children to death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say... 
and to the rest in Thyatira, as many of you do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan as they say, I will put no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. He who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule with a rod of iron, and there shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel, as I also received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, what exactly is the spirit of Jezebel? Reading that is, yeah, that's cool, but if you don't know what it's saying, what does it mean? The spirit of Jezebel solely is about control. She wants her way. Jezebel will do anything to have her way. She will lie. She will give little falsehoods. She will do all kinds of things to get you to look over this way to see something this way. She knows what she's doing, and Jezebel wants her way. And she was manipulating this church. But he tacked something else on called fornication. That's Baal worship. Jezebel was married to a fellow by the name of Ahab, and Ahab, he did more to anger God than all the other kings before him whenever he married her, and then he went and worshipped Baal. He's a leader, and he's worshipping Baal. Do you know what Baal worship is? Anybody? Sexual sin. You had Baal, who was the male fertility god. You had Ashtaroth, who was the female fertility god. They built Ashtaroth poles. Now, we're all adults, I think, pretty much in here. But the Ashtaroth pole was like a reproductive organ. They're still standing today. I was going to show you some pictures that I found on the Internet in places like India and throughout the Middle East. Folks, they were just way too graphic. We understand what I'm talking about here? On these poles, they would carve these images in. And these people would get and go as a mobs of people or alone or whatever. And they would be out into these asterisk groves where these images were carved in. And they would, their way of worship was committing those kinds of sexual acts in front of those images, in front of those poles. This is what she was teaching this church. Am I okay with that? I'm trying to keep it as easy as I can. But the word fornication comes from the word pornea, where we get our word pornography. And that was the thing that was happening with this church. Jezebel wanted her way, and when she could see the, the people of Israel had problems with idol worship. You remember Moses goes up on a mountain and they're down here worshiping a golden calf. They got all their earrings up and melted them down because they wanted to worship something. Well, they're getting over this. They're starting to overcome this a little bit. And all of a sudden, here comes Jezebel and wanting her way. And what does she do? She introduces this to the people of Israel and it's a bad thing. It's a bad, bad thing. 
Because it ain't nothing but idol worship. And can I tell you something? You cannot be an idolater and be a Christian at the same time. It does not work. And he says, you got some time to repent. He gave her time to repent. Anybody know what happened to her? They shoved her out of wind and the dogs ate her up. But her spirit is there, her seducing spirit wanting her way, doing whatever, but this one just happened to be this. Can I tell you something? Whenever you let this kind of junk come up in the house, and can I tell you this is a demon, and this demon wants to come into your house, whether it be by a computer or a magazine or whatever, whenever this comes into your house, this demon's coming, and he's fighting for, to, to, for keeps. He's going to bring other demons with him. And when this demon comes in, what's he going to do? He's going to wreck your self-worth. He's going to wreck your self-esteem. What's this demon going to do? He's going to wreck your marriage. What's this demon going to do? He's going to take that woman or that man that you're wanting to marry, and he's going to try to make them for where they can't match up to something else. And he'll wreck that relationship. That's what this demon will do, and he'll bring everybody he can with him. Now, I know this is not that easy, but it is what it is. But guess what? We can overcome these kinds of things. This demon came in, and you know, this is one of the hardest ones to overcome. And here's why. Because the devil and his demons took something that God created, which is beautiful, which brings pleasure between a husband and a wife that he made to happen, and he perverted it. And it's something that's kind of built in our DNA, but then you've got to overcome because he says, don't do it this way. Is that okay, folks, I'm for Palm Sunday? But it's truth. That's what's going on, and he says, I'm going to wreck your life. And that is what Jezebel was doing. And you know what? There are people that teach, and there are people that will hold a Bible and say, well, you know, that's just how you are, little Johnny. No, it ain't just how you are, little Johnny. Little Johnny's smart enough to not jump off of a, a high-rise building without knowing that he's going to get hurt and die. Little Johnny knows better. And that's the same thing that God is teaching here, and he said, you should have known. I just told you what it was. I just asked Pastor Ken to get up, and I know his face is turning red doing what I've asked him to do, and he did it. Why? Because you should have known. That's what he's talking about. And this Jezebel spirit, I mean, it's a giant, man. I'm going to tell you, you get inside of that, it's a downward spiral, and it gets faster and faster. It's like every fix you get's got to be a little bit more. It's like a drug addict on heroin. It's a little bit more to get the same, the same whatever out of it. That's what he's talking about. And she'll rob you. This is what Jezebel wants to do. She'll kill your good name. She'll blow your self-esteem, your self-worth. That's what Jezebel sets out to do. And let me tell you, you open the door, you let this demon in, he's coming to stay, he's coming to fight, he's bringing others with him. Don't walk on that road. Young people, you take your cell phones, man. Don't go there. Don't go there. Because you see, he has a flaming eye. God knows. It don't matter if mom and dad knows, or your girlfriend or your wife. No, God knows. God knows, and he just gave you warning. But look what happens if you overcome. You see, this is a test of true kingship. True kingship. This is what it's testing. 
This has to do with the millennial reign, folks. Whenever we come back with Jesus for a thousand years, anybody know what I'm talking about? I'll explain that one. Let's keep moving. He says, the one who overcomes this, I'm going to give him the authority to rule and reign with me. If you overcome this, you get to be one of the rulers. I don't know, maybe you're over Switzerland or something. Wouldn't that be cool? You could ski and hang out in the Alps. If you overcome this, Jesus says, you get to be a ruler. You know why you get to be a ruler? Because the only way you overcome, if this is something that's a problem, the only way you overcome is you've got to be close to Jesus. He says, I'll give you the morning star. What's the morning star? It's the planet Venus. You know, in the morning times we get out and the sun's coming up. Just before it comes up, there's this big bright star there in the morning time. Venus. Venus is closest to the sun. And the only way you beat this is you've got to be close to the sun. If you have beaten this, you are close to the sun. And if you're close to the sun, you can rule with him in his kingdom. Jezebel. Just remember, Jezebel is manipulative and Jezebel wants control. And she'll do anything she has to to get it. She's very good at what she does. Jesus said, overcome this one, and you will be close to me. And now Revelation chapter 3 and 1, and the angel of the church of Sardis. Boy, that, ain't we glad that one's over? Wasn't that like in, uncomfortable? I'm standing up here in front of y'all. Well, we got her done. Well, that's what he called me to do, and that's what I'm going to do. I ain't going to apologize for it. Revelation chapter 3 and 1, and to the angel of the church of Sardis write... These things say he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. Guess what? Jesus knows what's going on. Ain't no fooling him. I know your works. And that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Whoa. Somebody's talking good about you, but except Jesus. And that's not good. You want Jesus talking good about you, not everybody else. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard and hold fast and repent. There he is telling believers to repent again because that's what they need to do. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come to you as a thief, and I will not, and you will not know what hour I have come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. These folks were spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. They had a name that they were something, but they weren't. They were spiritually dead. They had a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, the Bible says. You can be in a church, and it can be a big church, a mega church, or it can be a little church. It doesn't matter. The size of the church does not matter 
about spirituality. You can be in a big church or a little church for that matter, and you can walk away every Sunday morning dying on the vine. I'm not talking about emotional plays. It gets people all hyped up. I mean, we can sing happy birthday, have everybody smiling within a minute and singing. We can't get everybody else to sing at any other time, but we can sing happy birthday to Pete, and we can get to a happy birthday, and I guarantee you a smile will come on your face while you're doing it. You see what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about emotional plays. I mean, come on, folks. I don't care if you're speaking it or screaming it. I want you to give me something I can use. You see, we can take and take our words and we can get the people riled up and get, a, you know, with the presidential candidate they're talking about now that every time he opens his mouth, he just makes people mad and riles them up. True or not, I don't know. But it can happen because we actually have laws on our books that can, you can be arrested for inciting a riot. So it can happen. And can I tell you something? This kind of thing goes on, and, it, and it's happening all the time. You see, we're not talking about playing on motions, but all I'm talking about is that we're receiving things that can enlighten us in our spirits. Something that's going to help us grow. I'll guarantee you, ten minutes ago, I said something that enlightened somebody's spirit. And it wasn't shouting time, was it? Come on, am I right on that? Now, if you, got, if you got saved and healed from it, then you're going to be shouting. You're going to let somebody know. But that's not shouting time. Everybody don't stand up and say, well, last night I was on the... No, that ain't a shouting message, but that is a message that's going to enlighten you. You understand? So, he's telling these people, you have this look that you're alive. Man, the music is rocking and people are just, woo, and they're all into it. Oh, the Holy Ghost is moving, but yet 10 minutes after they get out, they're firing up, popping the top, and they're calling somebody. All that kind of junk's happening. Don't tell me Holy Ghost is doing that, and 10 minutes later, he done gone. It don't work like that. So you have this view that you are something. Jesus said, no, you ain't. That's exactly what he's telling them. You got a name that you are something, but you ain't. That's what he's talking about. You got a name that's yours, but you ain't. You ain't all that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm getting to the young people now. You ain't all that. Because that's exactly what Jesus was telling them. He says they will be clothed in a different garment. We got white in our Bible. The word of luminous didn't come in until I think after they translated this. But the word was leukos. And it's where we get the word of luminous. You remember Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? What was happening? He was bright. He was illuminating. Remember me teaching several weeks back with the different levels of glory? We're going to all be illuminated a little bit different based on our works. Jesus receives the glory. Don't, don't get me wrong. Don't get lost in that place. It's about his glory, but he's, it's in the Bible, so we can't deny it. We can't say it's not there, but it, this is talking about that you're going to have illumination. You're going to be brighter. You're going to have a brighter garment. You're going to have a brighter light of Jesus shining out, so to speak. Let your little light shine. So that's what he's talking about here. He says you're going to have these white garments or more illuminating, a brighter garment like Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. 
But then we get to, if you overcome, I will not blot your name out of the book of life. I need to tell you something. I can't do that, that was false. I've always used this scripture as a proof, so to speak, of whether you can lose your salvation or not. And I'm going to tell you now, and I'm glad you're here, and anybody listening on the CD or whatever, I was wrong. You remember a few weeks back we were talking about the book of life where Jesus is writing down, this is the one he's talking about. He's not talking about the Lamb's book of life. I didn't say I don't believe that no more, but this scripture don't back it. Okay? I told you, I always pray. If I get something wrong, I want to be able to at some point let everybody know this scripture doesn't back that. So let's park that, drive up a stake so you can look later, but get this. We're talking about the book of life where he's keeping down our deeds. You remember he's going to pull the books out and that's where they're keeping down your book of life, Danny. Everything, that's what's going to be judged is our walk, what our walk was like. That's how we're going to receive our rewards whether we got check marks or X's. That's what we're talking about. And what he's saying here is this. He says this is a recording of your life. And he says, I will tell my father and his angels. I won't blot you out and I'll tell my father. You see, if you've lived this life and you did nothing for Christ, the book of life means nothing for you. There's nothing to tell. We got saved. That's the only thing. First entry and that's it. Did nothing else for Jesus, did no work for the kingdom, did absolutely nothing. And there's nothing else to read. You remember the story of the woman with the alabaster box in the Bible? What did she do? This perfume is like a whole year's worth of money. And she broke this box and she poured this over on Jesus' feet and she washed his feet. You know what I'm talking about? Her story gets told at least once a year in one church, I'm sure, all the time for eternity. This story is being told. She may never did anything else for the kingdom of God, but this one is touching lives. And that's what it's going to be like for us. Jesus is going to sit down and say, let me tell you a story. Gather around, little children. You see him on the mount, mount uh, uh, Sermon on the Mount. Gather around, little children. He sits down and he says, hey, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story about a guy by the name of Willie Hatcher. Boy, he was a scoundrel one. And I don't know if he was or not. This is a story, y'all. This is not a true one. Boy, he was a scoundrel of the first order. But one day he found Jesus Christ. One day he let me come into his heart. He actually sat there and listened to the sermon instead of holding his girlfriend's hand or playing with his buddies, you know, or sleeping or whatever. He actually listened and he let my spirit do something inside of him. And you know what? I gave him a gift. He's got a memory like a photocopier. He, you know, it's, it goes in and it's printed forever. He can, he can bring it out just like he's reading it off a piece of paper. And he's touched so many people. And, and he's, you know, that's what it's going to be like. Our story. He's going to tell our story to his father, before his father and his angels. He's going to gather everybody around. 
That's what he's talking about. So what's your story going to be like? You're working on it right now until the day you die. From this point forward, what's your story going to be like? Is he going to be opening up your book and telling your story? I don't know. Only you know. But we got to be alive again. We can't be dead. We got to be alive again. And life ain't always what everybody says it is. There's no set standard. Are you growing spiritually? That's the key. Are you growing spiritually? Not did you speak in tongues 12 times last week. Are you growing spiritually? That's what we're talking about. That's what the Holy Ghost is talking about. Right? Okay. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write these things, says he, who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door that no one can shut. For, I have, for you have little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will... Make those of the synagogue of Satan say that, who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them, uh, make them come and worship before your feet to know that I, am, that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will not keep you from the hour. I, will, I, will, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him a new name, and my name, and my God, of my, of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from God, and I will write on him a new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What is the key of David? It's true worship. The key of David is true worship. And guess what? It's an open door. At least in this church, you want to stand up and shout, you go ahead and do it. Somebody might just get brave enough and stand up and shout with you. They had it bubbling in here, but they didn't want to follow it. You want to worship God, you go right ahead. You've got freedom in the United States of America. You've got freedom inside this church to worship or not. Either way, that, but his was true worship. That was the key of David, was his worship, and this door was opened, and no man could shut it. Nobody can stop you from worshiping God, except you. You might listen to Jezebel talk to you. Yeah, that's the kind of thing she likes to control, too. But that's up to you to decide whether she wins that argument or not. I'm going to worship God, and that's, that's the key of David you see I love to worship and I don't understand those who can't worship I don't get it I can't understand it for the life of me I mean we get excited at baseball games and football games and basketball games and birthday parties but we don't get excited with Jesus and I don't get it I do That's, I hang up here because I like to just worship and just let it fly let her go let her fly and it don't sound good most of the time, but I, that's what I like to do. But I don't, I don't understand it. But the key of David, he was a man after God's own heart. 
and a man after God's own heart, and he was worshiping in heart and in, in spirit. He had deep worship for God. He played songs before God. He danced before the Lord. All those say you can't dance. David danced before the Lord. And guess what happened? His wife. You remember her? Oh, my daddy's a king and he ain't never acted like that. Well, guess what? He did and she said he was a fool. You're making a fool of yourself. But you know what happened with her, right? She went to her grave barren because she made fun of the king who danced for the Lord. You can dance before God and you might not be out of order. David did it, and he's a man after God's own heart. But it's true worship, and the key of worship is sincere worship. And we certainly got the freedom to do that. He said, I'll make him a pillar in my temple. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. He says, you know what? I'm going to make him a pillar in my temple. Well, what does that mean? Like one of those... Posts over there that holds everything up? Pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, you're not going to be a post there, but guess what? Worship is that important. Don't let nobody stop you from worship. Don't let some knothead rob you of your crown. Remember me telling you that a few weeks back? Don't let some knothead rob you of your crown. Actually, they can't. Only you make that decision. So, he, he says, I'll make you, I want you to look at this. What he's talking about here is like, You know when you go to, you know you buy tickets to go to the concert, whatever it is, rock concert, blue gray, it doesn't matter. Don't you like getting close? I mean, you like the rosin coming off of the fiddle when he's playing it, you know, getting in your nose. You see the sweat coming down the guy's brow. You can watch the spittle come out of his mouth while he's singing or talking. It's a front row seat, and we pay extra money for those. This is what he's talking about. I want you to picture, remember me telling you about in, the, in, in, in this day when we're going to have a day as a thousand years, a thousand years as a day, so when we, when we die, we're going to have 6,000 years. We might tour the, tour the continents. We might tour uh, all the planets. But anyhow, at the end of this 6,000th year or this sixth day, however you want to read it, you hear the shofar blow. It's time to go back to the New Jerusalem, to the temple, and worship. Well, here's what this is talking about. When you come back, you're going to have you're going to have those backstage passes. You're going to have special access. In my father's house are many mansions. The better translation actually is many rooms. But we won't fight that theological battle. We could get stuck there for thousands of years. But you're going to have a reserved room. If you're an overcomer here, you're going to have a reserved room. You're not going to have to sit in the back. No, when you walk into the temple to worship God or for any other event that God may have going on, when you come in, all they're going to say, oh, you come on up here. Your seat awaits you. That's a pillar. You know why your seat awaits you? You get the front row seats because everybody behind you they get to watch what's going on. They're going to see how you worship. You're going to be the leader. You're not going to be facing them like worship leaders do here. 
Now you're going to be facing the King of Kings and the Lords of Lords, and you're going to be worshiping, and you're not going to care what's going on behind you. That is what he's talking about. That is the pillar. I got one more to cover. Y'all just bear with me. I promise I'm, I'll hurry. I won't read all of this, Ken, and you can put it up if you want. The next church is the Church of the Laodiceans. The church age of, oh, we got everything, life is good. Jesus, you just keep your distance. That's this church age today. And he said right to them, he said, I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Anybody like to drink warm coffee? Like on the movie, except Megan, Pete's different. Like on the movie The War Room, you know, the girl said her prayer life was, eh, so-so, so she went and got her a so-so cup of coffee, and she didn't like it. He said, I wish you was either hot or cold. Be one or the other, but don't be sitting here riding the fence. And so that's what was going on with this church. He said, I know your works, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you could be hot or cold. So then because you are lukewarm, neither are hot or cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, here's the problem. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And he says, I count you to buy gold refined from me, clothes that you may be clothed. Down at the very bottom of verse 18, anoint your eyes with eye salve so that you may see as many as I love I rebuke and chase, and therefore be zealous, repent. There's repenting again. To him who overcomes, verse 21, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. They were lukewarm. They were tempted by greed. You know what the definition of greed is? You're controlled by money. Did you come to church today or not come to church today deciding whether you had enough money for gas? Are you going to go out to eat today or not go out to eat today? What's going to decide it? Do I got enough money? Or am I going to serve Jesus today or am I not going to serve Jesus today? What's it going to cost me? Can I tell you what these people look like? And this is why they needed ISAF. And I can't see a thing. I can walk off this platform right now because I am so blinded by these greenbacks right here. And I need some ISAB so I can see. Greed will blind you. And that's what happened to this church. They were blinded by these. They didn't know whether or not they should serve God or not because they didn't know how many of these it was going to take. Are we going to get a return on our investment? Can I tell you what? God's investment here, sweetie, I told you I'd give these back to you. Because I ain't got nothing in my bill, folks. And we roll like that for a reason. Because <laughs> I'll see somebody on the side of the street and I'll give it to them. And I don't need to do that all the time. You see, some folks... They need this eye salve from Jesus so that they can see. He said, I knock at the door. You see, when that knock at the door comes, you might be entertaining an angel unawares. What's it going to cost? You see, we can preach these messages to pay your tithes that he's the owner of the cattle of a thousand hills. Oh, 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 we get all these messages. But then when it comes time to sow into getting the seeds, to put into the world and the, what it's going to take. I'm going to Paraguay next month. It's taking some dollars to do it, but I'm going. Jesus made the way. And I'm not counting that cost. I could and say, well, I'll just have to keep that in my 
bank account. No, I want my heavenly account looking a whole lot better than my earthly bank account. Wall Street ways are not God's ways. And that was the problem with this church. The overcomer, he gets to sit in Jesus' authority. That's what that means, to sit on his throne. That means that in the millennial reign, Brother Danny, you, you've overcome this greed thing, and it's not a problem for you. And he says, ah, you get to be one of the rulers. And he puts you over Croatia. I don't know why Croatia, you kind of look Croatian with that haircut. And that. <laughs> he puts you over Croatia, but this is like, you know, when I was at the sheriff's office, I had a gold band, had to let things on my, on my collar, which got me into places and conversations that normally didn't happen. That's what this means. With Jesus, you can knock on his door anytime and say, hey, I'm having a problem over here in Croatia, you know. Uh, Mike's over here acting weird. And, I'm, you, and he says, oh, come on in and have a seat. Let's talk about it. Not everybody's going to have that same kind of access. If you overcome this greed, you get that kind of access because he can trust you. You hear? You can't be bought. He can trust you. That's what he's talking about. These overcoming things are things that we're supposed to have. Revelation 21 and 7. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Come on up, brother. In his triumphal entry, Jesus said, You should have known. Maybe someday, maybe Jesus comes back today. Maybe the question is going to be, I didn't overcome this. Yeah, but you should have known. On this day or on this set of Sundays, I asked Pastor Ken to teach you what I gave him to teach you, knowing that it wasn't going to be shouting time probably. Because y'all want shouting time, but we got to have some teaching too. Like I said, I don't care if you speak it or scream it. Give me something I can use. I listened to a guy screaming one time, sound like a dog barking when he was preaching. And he said the same words for an hour and a half. He never got any new scripture. And I walked out of there about as empty as I was before. Now everybody else was having some kind of emotional roller coaster. Actually, one of them was teaching and had done it for months and been doing it for years. And he was a Holy Ghost filled man, been cheating on a woman with a woman and one of the guys in the church for several years before anybody found out. I don't want your emotional roller coaster. I want something that's going to feed me. I want something that's going to take that man or that woman that's stuck in pornography and you can't be doing both and be saved. You can't be saved and doing that. No, I want something real that's going to hit, that's going to drag them out of that place, out of that place of, of darkness. Give me something real. Don't give me the show. Give me something real. Give me something that's going to feed me. Give me something that's going to make my mind wander a little bit. Make me start talking to God. Make me start digging into the Word. Because He's going to say someday, you should have known. You should have known. If you have a need this morning, I want you to come forward and let us pray for it. If you have a need for somebody that you know, let us pray for it. If you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let us pray for you. Whatever it is, let us pray for you so that we can see God's hand.
Maybe some of these things we talked about this morning, you need Jesus to move in your life. Then now's the time. Now's the time to be set free. Now's the time to be that overcomer. Let it start today. And then we have that testimony. We have that testimony which is going to give God all the glory. Now's the time. Y'all join us in this song if you want to. If you had a need, come on up, y'all. Y'all had a need for Glennis Klein. And we're going to do some praying. Come on up, Brother Willie. Help, help us pray. Come on, so everybody. If you come help us pray. Don't get lost in this moment. If the Lord's knocking on your heart, then come and let him do what he can do. Only he can do. I can sow the seeds and somebody else can water, but he is the one that makes the increase. Only him. The Laodicean church, it became about them and not about him. You know what they say. You know, this is alive and well. You got the TV preachers. Be careful with those guys. Because you know what they're going to tell you? They're going to tell you something that sounds a little bit like this. So out of your need, so I can feed my greed. That's exactly what they're saying. They will exploit that need. That's what these churches are that was talked about. No, I want to see you grow. I want to see you delivered. Oh, hallelujah. Brother Steve, will you anoint them? Anoint Sharon for her? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. to you right in the name of Jesus.
it again, didn't he? <laughs> well, I tell you what, time is short. We'll be out of here soon. We keep looking at this world and what's been going on. We'll be out of here soon. Until then, we got to be about his business. We got to be about his business. I want to ask you to do something right now. It's Palm Sunday. Picture in your mind Jesus coming up the road on that little donkey. Sitting on a bunch of coats that everybody throwed down for him. And some of them even throwed their coats down in the road. Raise your palm branches to heaven and give him some glory right now. Amen. Just give him some glory right now. Don't be ashamed to give him glory. He gives us every breath we have. He gives us all that we need. Everything we have has come from Him. He has given us life. He has given us life of abundance. We give Him the praise. We got jobs because of Him. We have food on the table because of Him. We have the Word of God to where we can read it because of Him. We're able to come to Him and pray for those that have needs. We're able to come to Him and pray for those that are sick. We're able to come to Him and ask Him to show us in His Word. We're able to come to Him and ask Him to save us. We're able to come to Him and ask Him to save our lost loved ones. We're able to come to Him and trust and know, and He deserves the glory today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Give Him praise right now. Because next week, we're going to be celebrating the resurrection of our Lord. We love Christmas because of the presents, but can I tell you, it don't hold a light to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Give somebody a big old hug this morning before you leave and let them know that you love them. In Jesus' name.